going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will paul Levin. another episode here post draft we've got some people come on to recap it no one i could think of better to come on than trevor sigma of pro football focus trev you're kind of everywhere at this point i mean obviously nfl stock exchange you, you do some stuff on you've been on good morning football nfl now i mean you're basically a an a-list celebrity at this point uh, uh, I don't know about a list, you know, maybe barely D list, but you know what, at least I'm making the rounds. I am ma- I'm making it look like my opinion is supposed to matter. So, you know, that's, we're faking it till we make it. That's I what feel, we're doing. Is that half the battle? I mean, if we've learned anything on, on, <laughs> on, twi- on Twitter specifically today, you know, you should, you should sit starters in the playoffs. The, the heat for an NBA game is affecting the temperature and the quality of game. Oh, um, we've had some differing opinions on the Jets draft and obviously you know, you guys, we talked, you know, for a week straight in Alabama and then a week straight and a week straight in India about a lot of these guys. And yeah, I don't remember talking that much about Will McDonald to the Jets. And it doesn't mean it's a bad pick, but it just means a lot of times when you don't see these guys mocked, I think fans get a little upset when they see somebody mm-hmm. pick, they go, wait, we, I was told we were getting a tackle or JSN right, or all these right. different guys or even a Nolan Smith or um, Van Ness got mocked to the Jets. Not once did we see McDonald, although he did mm-hmm. go higher in some mocks. I guess let's start with McDonald's pick because, of course, today people took it a little too seriously when Robert Sala said no matter what they were taking Will McDonald. Obviously, he's going to say that. Do you like the player A, and do you think it's a good fit? And then we can get into the value of where he got picked. But just from the player perspective and where he's going to in this scheme, does, does this pick make sense just objectively? Yeah, I, I always love when coaches talk after the draft because they go, oh, yeah, this guy that we drafted in the seventh round. I mean, we had a first round grade on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. he, was t- okay. he was top 20 on our board. Right. <laughs> Maybe unlike the Patriots board, because the Patriots have like 25 total people on their big That's, board. But By the way, that was the best part of last year's draft. The Jets said they got four of their top 10 players, four of the top 15 on their board. I'm like, well, that is probably true. Right. Like, <laughs> right. That doesn't mean anything to me because I it's, would hope you got good guys on your board. It's not an overall big board of like 400 players. They probably have it narrowed down to like 70 guys that they like. Yeah. But anyways, uh, with the Will McDonald pick. Well, first and foremost, I think Will McDonald's a really good football player, right? I think that we saw that on display uh, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I, he was the only one to give Darnell Wright fits. Like he really was. And it was just because that speed profile was too good. I mean, he beat Darnell Wright to the outside, beating him on the outside shoulder with the fir- with the first step burst. And then when he came back, you could tell Darnell Wright was like, oh, okay, here's this guy who beat me. I'm going to make sure I don't get beat to the outside. His kick steps a little bit further, and without missing a beat, Will hits him with an inside move and immediately beats him again. So I, you love to see that. You love to see him have that kind of pass rush repertoire. Uh, you love the athleticism that you saw in the combine showing up on tape. So I think he's going to be a really good player for them. I, I did not think that Will McDonald was going to go to the Jets just because when I look at McDonald um, – I, I wonder how much of a full three down player he's going to be at the NFL level. I mean, at the very least, he's going to be a fantastic pass rush specialist, but I was a little bit lower on McDonald than some other people were. There were plenty who were mocking him as like a mid first round pick late first round pick. That's kind of, I mean, I was kind of in the area of like late first, early second, probably would have been best 
for him to go in the second round versus value on my board because that's just kind of how I looked at him as a speed rusher. And when I think of the New York Jets, it's not that I don't think that Will McDonald's going to be productive. I do, but in a like pass rush specialist role, like Bryce Huff was already so great at that. So how much are you still getting both of those guys on the field? Are you able to get both of those guys in the field? But at the end of the day, too, you got to think of it like this. This team went all in to go get Aaron Rodgers. They are all in on a playoff run, deep playoff run. They're hoping a Super Bowl run, right? It, when that's the case, you can never have too many good pass rushers. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. You're just trying to acquire a ton of good guys, and, you know, guys are going to get banged up throughout the season as well. So wherever he lines up, and I will certainly admit, he did not get enough opportunities to be a full-time stand-up, wide nine, outside linebacker, pass rusher type at Iowa State. Instead, they were lining him a lot more as like a five-tech defensive tackle head up against the offensive tackle. So I think they're going to utilize him a lot better for the Jets. But um, no, I, I didn't really see this one coming, although I can still see it being productive because I think Sal is going to get the most out of him. Yeah, look, I, I think them going edge is, I don't want to say it's not overly surprising, but understanding Carl Lawson gets hurt all the time. He's a free sure. agent after the year. Right. Bryce Huff's on a restricted free agent tag. Jermaine Johnson showed some promise, but was better against the run last year. JFM, Michael Clemens are like three down players, but they can kind of, they're tweeners between being, you know, more and playing defensive tackle, playing defensive end. I get all the thinking of potentially addressing edge. You look what the Niners do every year. It feels like they, they draft a first round defensive lineman. I guess I think, like I said, part of the thing was, okay, I didn't love this edge class. I, I know we talked about this, and I know you've talked about it a bunch. I didn't think it was just like generational edge class. I thought there were some nice players, mm -hmm. and I thought a lot of them do one thing really well, which is good. Um, I thought Van Ness would make any sense to the Jets, but there was like these weird things where it's like Nolan Smith felt like, oh, on everyone's board, this elite, elite, elite level athlete, not just like really good, like, you know, whatever, running four threes and the whole thing. Right, crazy then falls like all the way to the end of the first round. And it's like, did the jets miss something or did a lot of people miss something or did everyone know something we don't know? I guess there's, there's a lot of that concern. My other thing was clearly offensive line. They felt is still in need, right? They still drew and drafted offensive line with the next two picks. Mm -hmm. Just felt like they, they got, didn't get Broderick Jones. and wanted to trade back and said, F it. Like, will we love Will McDonald would just take him here. Does that kind of how you felt? Like it was like, Oh man, we missed the tackle. And we can't move back. So let's just take the best player available on our board. Yeah. And Connor Rogers, my co-host and I on Stock Exchange, we we kind of had a similar conversation where we like Will McDonald. Like Will McDonald himself is a good football player, but it is strange mocking an offensive lineman to the Jets for so long um, at number 13 or number 15 or like wherever it was, sometimes even trading up in certain scenarios to get aggressive, to go get even the top offensive tackle in this class, knowing that you're going all in this season and next season, uh, depending on how long Aaron Rodgers plays. And then you get to the point where you're at 15 and all four of the offensive tackles are off the board. One of them went the pick immediately before you and the guy that was most commonly mocked at Broderick Jones. And so, I, I, my hesitancy to like what the Jets did, it's not even nearly as much as it is about the players that they drafted. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a gut punch to get to 15 and all four of the offense tackles are off the board. Like it's, that's one of those scenarios where, where you go, okay, should you have gotten a little bit more aggressive? Like, should you maybe have traded up with one of those teams that was just outside of the top 10 and, or maybe even a little bit into the top 10, try to go get one of those offensive tackles. 
How much was the price really going to be super high, especially with the three most coveted quarterbacks off the board? It's not like Anthony Richardson was still on the board, so you were bidding against teams that were trading up for a quarterback. So I like Will McDonald, but it does it does put them in an interesting situation with their offensive line now because you you, you got to hope that these guys are healthy. And somebody, I, I can't remember who this was, but somebody – I think sarcastically kind of tweeted at me or commented on our show, whichever one it was. And they were like, Oh yeah. Rookie offensive tackles notably help out teams in their first year. And although they are kind of being sarcastic to me, they are a little bit right. for as good as Broderick Jones is, he was a first year starter at Georgia. So was Broderick Jones, even this guarantee to come in and start right away at a high level at offensive tackle in the NFL? No, that wasn't a guarantee either. So, you know, they're signing a couple of veterans to make sure that they're shoring up that side. They've got Dwayne Brown. Obviously they have Elijah Vera Tucker who could kick outside if they need him to Max Mitchell is a nice little swing offensive tackle. And then of course, whatever Makai Becton can give you, you're going to be happy with it. It's just a little odd knowing that offensive line and the uncertainty around it especially the offensive tackle was such a priority for this team and they didn't hit that until the fourth round that was just a little odd to watch yeah it, the, i think the best rumor of draft weekend was the jets were not going to take Broderick jones they were always taking will mcdonald and then it turned into they were going to take jameer gibbs even if Broderick jones was there which um, no, but if we already no, put a fork please. in that that was total bullshit Lord. that was classic <laughs> the lions wanted to see if anybody could find anyone else to take some of the bait uh, that was like yeah. that was like the 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 Giants with Daniel Jones. You remember where Gettleman was like, "Yep, we were for sure that he was not going to get to our mid first round pick. We had to take him at we had to take him six or seven. I can't remember where he ended yeah. up going. Well, but, yeah, you know. they took they took him six, and I still think whatever. I'm not going to bash. I'm not going to bash. He would yeah, he would have been there. Um, I think we've seen the NFL didn't really value him that high, uh, although the Giants overpaid him. Um, I want to get to Joe Tidman because I think that that pick was sure. There was another one, though, where still kind of felt like they were trading down, and it was like they took forever on the clock, and usually that's an indication of teams trading down. And we didn't see the center run till later than I think we all kind of expected. I guess this happens every year where, like, centers are some of the best players in the class. We think they're going to go early in round one, or late round one, early round two, and mm-hmm. they always slip. The Jets took Tittman before anyone – like, JMS fell to, you know, much further down in, into the second round. I know right. Connor, obviously, that was his blue-chip guy – I know you like them a lot. I do feel like the Tipman pick, like I, I'd be really shocked if he doesn't start day one. I think he's a guy that if he stays healthy, which again, obviously is no guarantee, uh, as we've mentioned with anyone on the Jets offensive line. Did you like Tipman? Like, where do you have him? Because I think there was that group of centers or guard center, however you want to categorize people. And I felt like everyone had a different ranking of Avila, Tipman, JMS, yeah. and all those different guys, Whipler, all those guys. So I like Joe Tittman. I wasn't as high on him as some other people in the industry were, but a big issue with me when it came to Joe Tittman is one, he's, he's a bigger center, which can be seen as a pro and a con, right? The pro is that when you're pulling him to the outside, where you're getting him to block in space, not only does he run very well, he's, he's really naturally good um, athletically when you get him in open space, but also he's just, he's just a bigger center. So he can go up against some of these linebackers that are coming in any defensive linemen that are also going to flow with you, right? He can hold up in space against those guys. I mean, he can be engulfing against defensive backs that try to fill uh, the running back back on the inside. So he's really great when he's on the move, but when he's staying at that interior center spot, when you are as tall as he is, you know, six, five, six, six, you naturally just give up leverage. You know, you get these smaller defensive tackle types who could fire off the ball and they're immediately in your chest just because even when you're snapping the ball, you're gonna, your chest is going to naturally be a little bit higher because you're a taller player. So 
there's a little bit of a pro and con there with what you value at your center spot. But then something else that really caught my eye when I was watching his tape is it felt like a lot of times he would, when his hands would go in to, to engage against defenders that were in front of him, they wouldn't fire inside, like inside the armpits, you know, inside of, of, of where the shoulder pads are, where you, you a lot of times it's kind of like the go-to technique is to get your hands inside near the chest so you can control the guy once you get your grip set on the inside. Tipman, more often than what I thought was just like a couple of one-offs, would almost almost like hug him, like come from the outside kind of engulf him a little bit and then grab the top of the shoulder pads to latch on that way. And I wondered if first and foremost, that also gave up his chest way too easy to people who wanted to try to push him back. But I wonder if that has to do with the two shoulder surgeries that he has had, because he's had shoulder surgery on each shoulder. So is the hand placement issue something that can be fixed or are his hands coming out that wide because it's not as natural for him after the surgery anymore to be able to tuck his elbows and really fire up on the inside of a defender's chest? I don't know the answer to that. That was just a little bit of a mystery of when I watched his tape and I watched his hand placement, I was like, huh, he's he's targeting the outside of the 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 defender's arm a lot. Now, sometimes that can be advantageous, right? Joe Thomas has a... Um, a, a great video clip that he's working with Brian Baldinger. And he says that he likes to get one hand on the inside, but then one hand almost like on the tricep on the outside arm of the defender, because it allows them to, or allows him to completely control them. If they're trying to get around him, if they're trying to attack the outside shoulder, something like that. So it might be a tendency thing, but I wondered if it was also like a labrum thing of his shoulder. So overall good athlete, bigger center than you're used to. There's pros and cons with that. I wonder about the shoulders, but I do think he is a starting caliber type of a center. And if the health is good to go, if they're okay with the leverage, if they're using him on pullers and things like that, he should be an early starter for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I wonder if we learn pretty early on, like, is he really a center? Is he a guard? Obviously, you know, you, the good thing, at least drafting guys at a flexibility, you can find a spot for him. Mm -hmm. um, either way, he's the size of a tackle and has lifting numbers like right. maniac. So you'd hope the natural strength. I also, I agree with you. Sometimes you can almost build a bad tendency where it's like he gets low enough for someone that's six, six, which is very rare, but it's like, can you then replace your hands? Is that something the jets teach? We'll we'll see how that kind of all breaks down, I guess. They obviously went kind of all over the board. Is there anybody on day two? Well, they only had the, the one day two pick. Is there anyone on day three that stood out to you from their picks? Obviously the Zach Coons pick is like the Twitter darling because he's right. a freak athlete, but you know, there's a, there's, He's a, we'll see, is he have a can here, however you pronounce the last name. I've botched it every single episode. It's a guy that I think most people really like that pick. Yeah. The Carter Warren pick is interesting. That was one of my favorite picks of the day. I just don't know athletically how he's going to, like his technique is way better than most people in his class. He just got hurt last year. He's an older player. Is he, is this what he is? Is he going to get better? Like how we'll see how he looks. So is there any guys on, on day three that you liked or didn't like, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the Koontz bet. I mean, you getting him in the seventh round, I thought that he was somebody who athleticism alone, you're going to pick him in like the fifth or sixth, but he ends up lasting until the seventh. So I love taking a flyer on him. 
for anybody that doesn't know, if you go to mockdraftable.com and you just type in Zach Kuhn's name, he's probably going to have the most filled out spider chart you're ever going to see in your life. It's just absolutely hilarious. But um, the Israel Abinaconda one is the one that my eyes go to because I don't think the Jets have a back like that on their roster. Even when Brees Hall is fully healthy, I think they're still going to give this guy carries because he is the type of player who has such fantastic long speed that if the offensive line does their job and everybody blocks it up entirely for one play, if you give this guy a sliver of daylight, boom, could be a 40, 50-yard run down the field and it could be six points for your team. That's why you draft him. I'm a little bit shocked that he lasted until the fourth round. That's kind of where I had him ranked as somewhere a mid a mid-round pick something in the third fourth round but it seemed like as we were getting closer to the draft people were a little bit higher on him maybe a little bit closer to like late second early third so I wondered if he was going to go somewhere in the middle of day two ends up landing on uh in, in round four to the Jets but I really like him in this committee because whether Brees Hall is healthy even with Michael Carter there this dude still brings you a skill set that nobody else currently in that running back room does and so that's something that they're really going to need they're going to want to they're going to want that dynamic ability and uh, and I like him a lot yeah i want to ask you a little bit about just their their day 3 strategy obviously the drafts like a passion for you you talk about it all year long you watch these prospects mm-hmm. they have, it seems like they have this approach that we get to round 4 and it's just how high is this guy's ras score and like how good of an athlete is he is he have one or two traits that we can't teach and they just take him regardless of if it's an overdraft they get good value if you look at their day three stuff it's every guy runs a four three every guy is like elite shuttle elite vertical it's it's crazy it's basically just like they draft based on combine pro you know pro day stuff even um bernard converse at lsu like elite tester wasn't a great corner like they're gonna hope he's a good safety you know what i mean like they're just hoping that that's going to happen. Them and the Colts seem to have, which isn't surprising. Rex Hogan and a lot of the, the Jets staff came over from Indianapolis. Do you like that strategy or are you more of a person that likes to maybe go the, this guy's maybe a, a fifth year senior. So like, he's going to fall a little bit, but we know what he, mm-hmm. we're going to get. He's going to be a solid player. Or do you like the high risk in on day three? I think like it's round two of the NBA draft, like whatever you, you know, I can take right. you one. Right. No, they are very interesting strategies. And I think it uh, not to have this be a cop out answer, but it kind of depends team to team, because on day three, you look at some teams and they're very comfortable just taking the swing on athletes where, like you mentioned, their game may not be fully rounded out, but they might give you a trait that you go, this is going to win at the NFL level. Even if it's just very streamlined, we will put him in this position to win and this trait can really stand out. So that's a strategy on day three, but you only get to do that if your depth and your special teams are already really shored up. And when I look at the guys that they drafted, yeah, I think that they're nice athletes to take chances on, but they're also, all of them are potential special teams positions, right? Tight ends, linebackers, running backs. Those are the positions. And then like corner as well, corner safety hybrid players. Those are the positions that normally you carry the most of those guys on the roster. And the reason why is because those guys play special teams for you. Those are the kick return team, the punt return team, like all of that. Those are the X factor kind of players. So as they are kind of growing into their own, hopefully well rounding out their game at the NFL level, they've got to be able to play special teams. And if you don't, if you don't have a solid feeling about the special teams guys on your roster outside of your starters, 
then maybe you get a little bit more conservative athletically and you go with those veterans, those fifth year seniors, the guys who's who have seen it all, the guys who have played special teams before, and you go with those kind of players. Clearly, I, I do think that the Jets feel good about their depth in order to take these swings. But like I said, the, the guys that they draft, the tight end, linebacker, running back, I mean, these are all good special teams positions anyway. So I, I felt like it was a good mix of both in this strategy. Yeah, the the one thing that's interesting you mentioned the special teams aspect. Right now on the roster, they don't have one guy other than maybe a McCole Harbin, Randall Cobb, who returns punts. They have no receivers that play special teams. None of these backs play special teams other than Zonovan Knight. So like Brees Hall is not going to be on special teams and, and things like that. Tight end mm-hmm. room, Conklin and Uzama don't really play special teams. I mean, you know, personal protector type stuff. So you really down in Jeremy Rucker, like they just don't have a lot of offensive guys, even on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they kind of carry Justin Hardy as a strict special teams guy. So you also want to build depth there. Um, you know, obviously he's an all pro level guy, but you know, he is, he's a special teams guy. He's, he's not going to get reps at corner um, as much as we love him. He's a friend of the pod. I think he would admit as well. Um, his job is to, to blow people up there as a gunner. I want to ask you two things before we kind of wrap here. One on each side of the ball, obviously, you know, it doesn't matter what class it could be last year's class or three, four years ago. Is there anyone that's on the Jets roster you think is going to have the year they're looking for? You're just really intrigued to watch, whether it's to be like obvious, you know, maybe it's a, a Garrett Wilson. Is there, or is there anybody else that you're like, I liked this guy to college or I didn't like him out of college and he's impressed me more? Like, is there anyone on the offensive side of the ball for them that you're just intrigued to watch this year, whether it's positively or negatively? This is a really good question. I think my eye immediately goes to, you guys you've drafted so many guys (laughs) you know you know more about him than i do but like Corey davis man like i loved Corey davis coming out of the draft and clearly he has not butted into the player that was once drafted where did he was he fifth Fifth. overall to take fifth right and he and he just he was not that dominant of receiver but i wonder what this year is for them because you know he comes back they don't cut him at least not yet. Doesn't sound like they're going to cut him. But basically, it's Alan Lazard and Corey Davis as the big wide receivers there, right? So there's still a role for him to get on the field. Does he kind of figure it out with Aaron Rodgers? Dude, is, the, is there still something in the tank here for Corey Davis in, in, in New York? And I just wonder if that's going to be the case. I'm just so... I'm so reluctant to give up on him because I love them so much coming out of the draft. So he's definitely one guy. And then uh, honestly, like I was a decently big fan of, of Jeremy Rucker when he was coming out and it's a super tight, crowded tight end room. But I wonder if Jeremy Rucker can take that next step too. Yeah. Uh, one point on the, the Corey Davis thing. It's one of the funnier receiver drafts. The first four guys that went other than, I mean, Mike Williams is a good player, but Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, Zay Jones, and then we get Jeez. to like C- Curtis Samuel, Juju. But then it's Cooper Cup, then Godwin, and, and like it's just right. a weird, it's just a weird class because you look back at it and you're like, how did Corey Davis go fifth? And then you realize like Sean Ross went in the top twelve too. So yeah, uh, not really, not really complimenting any GMs there. Although Corey's a nice player, I just think he struggled to just be consistent and stay on the field. He's had big moments, um, but has had he has this weird thing where he has a drop or penalty on the first drive of every single game. And then, and then it comes up with the catch. You're like, I didn't expect that. Great. That was a really tough play. Right. Right. And then you go, okay, there it is. There's the talent. Yeah. You're like, I'd, I'd rather you just not get a penalty and make that catch. And then I guess same question defensively. And then one more question before we wrap. Um, I can just say, I'm really interested to see what kind of leap Michael Carter, uh, the second takes. Yeah. He's a guy who had a really nice year last year, but like 
didn't convert on like three or four interceptions. Maybe five, he told me that he thought he could have had. This defense is going to get a lot of, you know, a lot of times guys are going to have to throw because they're just going to be better on offense. I wonder if he's a guy that doesn't sneaky be a top three or four slot guy in the league just because here it is close. But if he starts, you know, getting fives, you get you get four or five interceptions. Now people are not only just saying you're good in coverage, but you uh, you can turn the ball. Is anyone from the, on that defensive side of the ball? I guess we could just say Will McDonald, and you know you go for nine, no, no. We, we've 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 talked enough about Will McDonald. So I've I've got two that really intrigue me. One of them's a young guy. One of them's not. Uh, the guy who's a little bit older is is I'm I'm super intrigued with the Al Wood signing. Like I think that was a really good signing for them, getting another real big body presence next to Quinn and Williams, making it so double teams are much more difficult on him because he's clearly coming into his own and turning into one of the most dominant three techs in the game like we thought that he was going to be when he got drafted. So I think that the Al Woods uh, signing is is definitely going to help out. So curious to see how much they get him in the rotation, where he is at, in relation to Quinn and Williams, how they're using him. But you might be able to, I mean, obviously like the, the, the starters, I think they speak for themselves, but what is, you tell me, what is Hamsun Asiro Dean's place on this team? Because he was such an amoeba player at Florida State. He played safety for them. He was in the box. He was strong safety in the line of scrimmage. And now they've got him like with the linebackers, like, is this dude cracking any sort of playing time or no? Is he uh, it's just weird. You watch him in camp and like, he'll make a couple of plays. You're like, Oh shit, this guy's pretty, this guy's pretty good. And I know he had, so he, had the, he had the injury obviously in college and he transferred positions and he definitely has put on the weight, but I just like, he can't get into that like lineup of legit reps. It feels like they're like, he's the him and Sh- Jamie and Sherwood are like competing for like fourth guy, fourth linebacker on the roster. And it just, it's a little weird because they're kind of polar opposites. Like Sherwood was like, I can strictly tackle and I'm really slow. And Nasruddin was like, oh, I, I probably could play safety, but we're going to make you a linebacker. And then he just like, hasn't, I don't know. It's just weird. It is a weird one. Those two guys, I thought one would work and we haven't seen yet any sort of consistent Sherwood towards Achilles as a rookie. So I guess that's not fair, but just neither of them have like looked, I don't know. They they can't seem to get any reps. And I know CJ Mosley is good, but they don't seem to, they can't crack that uh that lineup at all. That's the fascinating one for me because I thought that there were times when he really flashed on tape. Like he was really fun. I liked him getting to work with uh with Robert Sala. And so I don't know, maybe maybe a year's different, but like when you ask guys who intrigue me on the team, I think the starters are fully entrenched, right? I mean, like this is a team that if they had competent quarterback play last year, they're they're in the playoffs. So we we've talked plenty about the starters and the contributors and everybody like that, but um, as some depth guys, there could be some X factors for them. That's where my eyes go. Last question we'll, we'll finish up with here. I've, I'm not the only one who's made this reference, so I'm not going to try to take full credit for it. Obviously as a Bucks fan, you watched, you know, Brady come in a roster that was competent quarterback play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the year 2019, the, the infamous, uh, you know, 30, 35,000 year from, uh, Sir Jameis, that roster felt like it was really good. It was two or three pieces away. Brady comes in, they win a title. They're obviously really good. From a Jets fan perspective, I know the Bucs and the Jets don't have the same history, but it's kind of similar in a lot of ways where, like, you know, the Bucs won and they were the best defense of all time and then just kind of were kind of shitty for a while. Um, what should the expect? What, what would be considered success, I guess, for this run with Rodgers? Because I think with Brady, it was like Super Bowl, no question. I don't feel like that's the expectation. I feel like some people say that. Some people think the playoffs – 
what would you like as a, you know, I guess you're half a Jets fan at this point because of the stock exchange fought, but like <laughs> what, what, like what should, what should a Jets fan kind of, and everyone's gonna have their own opinion, but what would you consider success if he's here for like more than a year? Cause I think if he's yeah. a year, it's hard to answer that question. Yeah. So I think that one, you're, you're certainly hoping that he's going to be there for two years, but two, you know, when you look at the Tom Brady example, you got to remember that year that they won the Super Bowl, which was the first year that, that Tom Brady was there. They were a wild card team. They didn't, they didn't host a single playoff game. You know, like they were a wild card team. They were on the road every single game. And so the expectation for them was playoffs, but it's not like Tom Brady plopped in their lap and they won divisions and it was easy and they were the number one seed. Like that's, that just didn't happen. So anybody who thinks that that's the expectations for the jets to like be uh, this number one seed and absolutely for sure overtake Buffalo at the top of the division. I mean, that's one of the toughest divisions to football. So you got to just make the playoffs, making the playoffs is goal number one for sure. But uh, something that should be encouraging is, you know, I mentioned if they had even just like, okay, quarterback play, I think this team would have been a playoff team last year. I think that Aaron Rodgers, whatever the best version of him is that's left. I, I truly think they're going to get it. I think he is rejuvenated. I think he's actually pumped to be in New York. Um, I think he really obviously wants to win uh, and wants to play really well in a new spot to end his career off in a high note, but that Bucks team, it wasn't just, they were terrible. Tom Brady arrived and then they were great. That roster was already good. That was already a really good team, really good passing weapons, a solid offensive line, a decent running game to lean on veterans that they added. Once Tom Brady got there, a really good defense orchestrated by a good defensive mind and Todd Bowles, like all of that stuff was already there. And Tom Brady was the icing on the cake that of course propelled them to a Super Bowl caliber team. So the jets are similar. If you ask me, I think that they are in a similar spot. And of course, you not only have to hit the timing right, but you got to have a little bit of luck too, right? You got to play the right teams at the right time. Ball's got to bounce your way. And and first and foremost, most importantly, you have to stay healthy. An underrated part of that Bucks Super Bowl run in 2020 was their entire offensive line was healthy the entire year, basically. I, I don't. If they if they miss time, I can't really remember off the top of my head that it was very long at all because all five of those guys were healthy and playing really good ball by the time that that season ended. So you got to stay healthy. You got to have good chemistry. Uh, you got to hit the timing right of playing good ball once the playoffs run around, right come around. But the Jets on paper give themselves a chance for all of that to happen. And so I think the expectation should just be the playoffs. And then of course it's the wild, wild West after that. Anybody can beat anybody any, any given week. Doesn't matter where the game is being played. It's going to come down to the last possession, no matter what ball bounces your way, you could advance, you could hoist the Lombardi. And so I think the, the most important thing is for them is that they put themselves in that conversation to allow the ball to bounce the right way to maybe uh, have the ultimate payout. Yeah, you kind of play against Kevin King in the playoffs, and you'll get you'll you'll win a Super Bowl. Sorry, that was a, just, that just, was just sign Scotty Miller. Just yeah, sign Scotty Miller. That was a low blow. I apologize, Packers fans. Have, just can't stop trolling me for no reason. So if I tweet anything they're like Aaron Rodgers sucks, I'm like, eh, I don't know. He's won four MVPs. I don't think he's that bad. Um, you have no idea what bad quarterback play is. Trust me. Just wait. Wait till you get one Jordan Love game against the uh, against the Eagles. You'll have fun. Well, actually, play well against the Eagles. It's a bad example, but whatever. They play the Niners this year, so hopefully, maybe they get humbled a little bit. Um, obviously, anyone that listens or do you listen to Trevor stuff, make sure you're following on Twitter, socials, uh, Stock Exchange Pod, and you know anywhere else. And uh, we appreciate you as always coming on, and you know keep uh, keeping keeping an A lister, man. We uh, we always love having you on. 
I'll uh, I'll keep faking being an A-lister so maybe people can believe that. But I appreciate it, Will, anytime, man.